You are listening to Sheet Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rainer Roberts. I am very sorry that I didn't manage to get up an episode last week. We have had very technical troubles. In fact, I am recording this without a proper microphone, so I hope that you can hear it clearly. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. Chapter 35. Is it love or just Paris? Later that day, once a certain poem had been put to bed, and long after a certain amnesiac baron's son had been delivered to a medibay, Dana threw herself on the mercy of her friends. Let me get this straight, said Porthos, sprawled on Aramis's couch with her feet in Athos's lap. You got in a fist fight with the Countess of Claric last night. We fought a duel with her friends before breakfast. And now you have a hot date with her brother. Brother-in-law, Dana corrected, staring at her own image in the mirror. Aramis had taken the, God, no more dresses, plea to heart, and dressed Dana in a sweeping black tunic with a neckline that could only be described as dramatic over figure-hugging bronze trousers. Since she wasn't hiding her identity anymore, Dana wore metal musketeer dog tags on a chain around her neck, instead of society-style jewellery. Treville had sent them around that morning. Flying the musketeer troop carrier, Dana was entitled to a tag and a blue flight uniform, though not the jacket yet. So close to being a real musketeer. She would take it. She would take whatever she could get. I'm impressed, said Porthos, handing over the appropriate shade of lipstick. I was a musketeer for two years before I started setting my own honey traps. I am not a honey trap, Dana said hotly. So you're not planning to seduce this milord to find out what he knows about your missing Conrad? Dana scowled. I might be slightly a honey trap. I disapprove, Athos volunteered from his position on the couch. No one asked you, said Aramis. She encircled Dana's wrists with bronze spiral bracelets. This looks amazing. He won't be able to resist. Not sure you should go in without backup, Porthos said thoughtfully. A fake date would make you look less obvious. It could help with extraction if it all goes pear-shaped. You should take Athos. Dana and Athos exchanged appalled looks. No, they decided in unison. I'll be fine, Dana added. The thought of trying to flirt with Milord while any of her musketeer friends were in earshot was horrible. Athos pushed Porthos's feet aside and came over to stare meaningfully at Dana. You're sure this is a good idea, D'Artagnan? She lifted her chin defiantly at him. Not all problems can be solved with wine and swords. That shows a distinct lack of imagination on your part, he replied. Is he pretty, this minister assassin kidnapper person? A bit, she admitted reluctantly. Pretty people are very untrustworthy. Just look at Aramis. Hey! Aramis protested. Pretty men who talk politics are the worst of all, he went on. 
You're not actually trying to give me romantic advice, are you, Athos? Dana asked. There was that appalled expression again. God, no. I'm going to stop talking now. Have a good night. Don't do anything Porthos would do. Hey, Porthos protested, but then paused in reflection. No, that's fair. So this was awkward. The gathering to which Dana had been invited by B included not only Milord Vaniel de Winter, who had his nose in a clamshell in the far corner of the room, but also that morning's duelists, Lady Moir, the Earl of Doncaster, and Baron Sheffield, who remembered nothing about the duel but was unsettled and cranky. In retrospect, Dana should have brought Porthos, since she and Doncaster had bonded over trying to wound each other in the most grandstanding way possible, and that could only translate to dinner party gold. B and Vaniel turned out to be not staying in Paris satellite accommodation, but in a dagger-class scout ship called the Matago. He looked like a plain black raven ship from the outside, for security purposes, B claimed but inside was as beautifully furnished as a royal apartment. Dana was shown into a parlour. What kind of spaceship had a parlour? By Miss Columbina. Call me Kitty. Milord's very pretty personal assistant. Kitty Columbina had hair that fell in soft purple curls around her round face, and she wore a dress that consisted mostly of silk butterflies. How do you know the family? she asked Dana. Oh, I met Vaniel on a train, and then this morning I fought a duel with Bee and three of her friends, Dana said, hoping to see Kitty's eyes widen in surprise. Instead, the other woman laughed. That's the tamest way they've ever befriended a new companion. No bear wrestling or pirates? For shame. I suppose you see a lot. With the De Winters as your employers, said Dana, wondering if this girl might be a useful resource. You're certainly going to have to try harder if you want to shock me, said Kitty. And she gave Dana a look which suggested she rather wanted her to try. Let me get you a glass of champagne, Captain D'Artagnan. I'm, Dana started to say, but Kitty had already flitted away towards the bar before Dana could wrap her mouth around the words, Arm Sergeant. Dana. B greeted her warmly, with a hint of humour in her eyes. She had to be encouraging this whole set-up Vaniel and Dana game out of mischief, rather than any genuine interest. Of course, Dana wasn't in it for genuine reasons either. Flirting at this gathering was not the difficult part. Any and all of the de Winter's guests were more than happy to flirt with the mysterious musketeer who was dressed to kill. But Vaniel de Winter was a harder nut to crack. So much for being a honey trap. Half an hour in and Dana had entirely failed to be alluring and intriguing and all those other things that seemed like good ideas at the time. She had exchanged exactly three sentences with Milord, each polite and not especially interesting. You look like you want to run out of here, said an amused voice near her ear. 
Dana turned and saw Kitty the assistant, standing very close. I don't do well at these sorts of parties, she admitted. The other girl smiled at her. She had glitter in her lip gloss. Fancy the grand tour? This, this could be useful. Absolutely, Dana said. There was no spaceship more alluring or attractive than a musket-class dart. Dana's loyalties were set in that regard. Okay. She had been slightly turned on by the moth fighter, but she was only human. No one would kick a moth out of bed. Matago was a raven-class scout, and there was nothing remotely sexy about them. Dana had hated the idea of flying one of these when she was considering, not really considering, job options outside the Royal Fleet. This particular Raven-class scout might be the exception to her rule. Never mind the glamorous decor and the gym that wouldn't have been out of place in a Paris satellite rec hub. It was the flight deck that interested her and the engine. Miss Kitty Columbina had to duck back to the party for a moment or two to check that the champagne levels were still flowing or whatever. While she was gone, Dana dropped herself into the flight seat at the helm. The console had been tricked out and customised by the looks of it. No way the standard design for ravens involved this much chrome. Something beeped. Dana lifted her hands in the air hoping she hadn't set off any security alarms. The beep repeated over and over. It was coming from the beaded evening bag that Aramis had pressed on her, because taking a military-issue belt pack to a cocktail party was inappropriate. There wasn't much in the tiny bag, only lipstick and Dana's pearl stunner. But then she remembered the compact clamshell she'd been carrying around with her, since the Marquise de Ward passed it to her in Hotel Coquenard's bathroom. Dana opened the clamshell slowly, checking that the camera setting was not on. It wasn't an incoming call, but a text. The words, Have you given any further thought to my suggestion? hung on the screen, waiting. Dana froze for a moment. What did my lord think he was doing? Why ignore her at a party, only to... Oh, he didn't know she had the clamshell. He had given it to the Marquise de Ward. As she stared at it, a second text came in. I can tempt you if you let me. Dana summed up what she remembered of the Marquise to reply, I would prefer it if you were after me for my looks. One gets so tired of being a political pin-up. Who says I'm not interested in everything you have to offer? Why, my lord de Winter, that was almost smooth. Perhaps you make me nervous in person. I refuse to believe you've ever been nervous in your life. That would require you to stop thinking about work for ten minutes at least. I'll have you know, I spent fifteen minutes yesterday ignoring work altogether. Of course, I was asleep at the time. He sleeps. Not an android replica, then. Sorry to disappoint. I've always wanted to flirt with an android. 
My sister-in-law is hosting a gathering on our ship tonight. I don't suppose you'd run away from whatever boring occasion you're stuck at and join us instead. How do you know I'm stuck anywhere? You're finally talking to me. I can't get away. But you're tempted. Go back to your party guests, my lord. Find someone to flirt with in person. I hear that practice makes perfect. If I do, will you be jealous? Dana smiled to herself, and then typed in, Desperately. So, Dana had successfully carried out a flirtation with Milord de Winter. Sure, it was under the wrong identity, but it still counted as a win, right? She had no idea whether this correspondence would turn out to be remotely useful. But she had to hope it was a crack in Milord's force field. Dana returned to the parlour, where the party was going on, and caught sight of Kitty, who waved apologetically to her from behind the world's largest tray of hors d'oeuvres. Obviously she'd been caught slacking and put to work. I've been neglecting you, Dana, said a man behind her. Dana's body betrayed her, with a hum of excitement in response to that voice. Milord de Winter. You're not neglecting me any more than your other guests. She smirked at him, thinking of his complaints to the imaginary Marquise. On a scale of one to ten, exactly how much do you hate parties? Vaniel returned her smile and rubbed slightly at his messy brown hair, playing that distracted political obsessive whose company she had enjoyed on the train. All the numbers, he confessed. She shouldn't like him, shouldn't enjoy this chance to make a connection with him. He was the enemy, wasn't he? Dana was almost certain he was the enemy. It wasn't fair for the enemy to be this adorable. I also hate parties, she admitted. I'm sure Miss Alex Charlemagne simply adored parties. Yes, but I didn't convince us her for long, did I? Dana said. There was interest in Vaniel's eyes. He kept looking at her like he wanted to see what was inside her brain. It made her shiver in a not entirely good way. Me lord, not Vaniel. This man is not your friend. I'm not sure why I bother talking to you, he said after a moment. You're too young to have anything intelligent to say. and You don't know anyone worthwhile. You're not useful at all. Dana blinked very slowly at him and then smiled. Must be my natural charm winning you over. Or you have a thing for sarcastic people? That made him laugh. It was a bitter sound, his laugh. You're more right than you know. Do you want to come to dinner with me one night soon? Sooner rather than later, Dana replied. I'm not sure when we're shipping out, but it won't be long. He raised his eyebrows. The Siege of Truth. I'm just driving the truck, so I'll probably be the last to know. Dana pinched her lips together. Why invite me to dinner? If it's to insult me further, I already have friends who do that. Milord gave her a wicked smile. That didn't fit his baffled political expert persona at all. I want to make someone else jealous. Dana glared at him. 
That is so unflattering, I can't even tell you. Was he messing with her now? The sudden thought that he might want to make the Marquise jealous with Dana burst into her head, and then it was all she could do not to crack up laughing. Yes, fine. I have no shame when it comes to someone else buying dinner. Excellent, my lord said, and leaned in to brush his mouth against her cheek. This is going to be interesting, he promised. This close, his presence was overwhelming. How embarrassing was it that she was this attracted to someone who had probably kidnapped the man she'd been hoping to have an affair with? The sooner Dana was sent off to war, the better. She shouldn't be allowed out in public on her own. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional owners and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates, follow me on Twitter at TansyRR, and if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.